Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And we're going to take you away from the play. Yes, we are. How's it going, Mel? You know, just thawing out. Went outside today. <laughs> Same. Look at us going outside, getting some physical activity and fresh air. I know. For us. Those are the <laughs> pandemic goals. I went outside today. You know what? It's a good goal. It's a good goal. And this morning, we recorded a pretty fun episode, didn't we? We did. We had Fabrice Bill, who is the founder of Pour Trois Points, which is essentially a training program for coaches who will be working with youths mainly in underprivileged areas and we also had Bruce Lee who is one of the coaches that is going through this uh, flagship training program in this year's cohort and it was really interesting and I think it's an area that needs to that needs to be addressed you know coaches have a huge impact on any individual's lives and I think kind of working with young people and and understanding that's a that's a pivotal moment in Mm -hmm. development they're gonna have a huge impact totally i completely agree and you know i think uh this is a different episode from what we what we usually do you know often we'll talk to athletes or people who are either at you know either professional level Mm -hmm. of uh, play or or who are university athletes or whatever but this time we're we're kind of shifting gears but you know sports is kind of everywhere in our society you don't have to be a pro uh, to play sports, right? You can just play it for fun and, and sports can play just such a huge role in someone's life and shaping who they are. Um, so this was, uh, I'm really glad we did this. This was a good episode. So we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Fabrice and Bruce. Mel and I are super happy to have you on our podcast. We've been looking forward to this interview for a while. You know, we've spoke to coaches in the past, but more at like the professional level, at the university level, and all of them always talk about how the impact goes beyond the playing field. It, you know, it has an impact on the person and who they become as well. And I know that at Portrois Point, the whole point is to kind of transform sports coaches into life coaches uh, to help out underprivileged youth. So thank you both for so uh, for being here. And I guess to get us started, you know, we want to know more about you, Fabrice, and you, Bruce. So we'll start out with Fabrice, given that you're the co-founder and the president of the organization. So can you tell us a bit more about yourself, your background, and really what inspired you to start this, uh, this organization? Sure. Interestingly, I mean, we could have started with Bruce because um, he's still a coach and I don't, I don't coach anymore. Uh, and, and so he's... Um, he uh, is still um, in the, you know, on the front lines with the with the with the youth. Obviously, there's the um, there's a pandemic that makes it uh, more you know more, more difficult to to be present with youth. But uh, uh, now, leaving that aside, I just wanted to point that out because you know the coaches are the ones that really do it mm-hmm. on an everyday basis. And I I'm just you know as much as um, there is an importance for um, you know the founder to have initiated the initiate the organization. I still want to honor the fact that coaches like Bruce are really the ones doing the work. Um, in any event, I, I can still, uh, I can still uh, talk about myself and my background. I mean, very quickly, I would say that, you know, I grew, I grew up in Montreal. Um, my parents came from Haiti uh, at the end of the 70s. Uh, and I grew up in the eastern part of Montreal in Anjou. And uh, Anjou is the middle class area where uh, but there's still um, more disadvantaged neighborhoods within Anjou, and Anjou is close to other environments such as um, such as Montreal North. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've spoken a lot about Montreal North in the past um, few months. Uh, whether it be Saint Michel as well, uh, those environments that I've I, I, I've been close to as well. But I've also seen because of the schools I attended that were not in these areas and that were more upper middle class upper yeah upper middle class area um, uh, areas. I've seen. I've seen how much Montreal, uh, there are inequalities in Montreal. And uh, my, both my origins being, being originally from Haiti and um, my background growing up in Montreal, 
um, made me think a lot about that um, uh, during my, uh, my childhood and upbringing. Um, and uh, irrespective of all the complexity of poverty, uh, I, I, I got to a point pretty early in my life um, where, I, where I really valued the importance of coaches. You know, I played soccer and then basketball started playing on a basketball team when I was 11 years old. And uh, I really realized how much coaches had a tremendous impact on my life. Uh, and I coached myself uh, for, for, for a, a bit more than 10 years. Um, and throughout all of that, I realized that how much a coach can play a difference in, in a kid's life. Uh, and that's where there's a connection between the sports and the coaching right. and really the social aspect that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um now um and and that's that's in a nutshell that that's what led me to um founding Portois point because i realized how much in environments where i grew up where i i saw so many of my friends where coaches had a tremendous impact but i also saw situations where coaches didn't have the knowledge the tools um to really play a role uh in kids lives and you know it's not it, it it's really um flabbergasting to, to think that coaches um, are the most uh, influential adults, significant adults to youth uh, who play sports. Um, but it's, it, it research says that, you know, most of them don't have the, 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 the knowledge to really play a role that honors that potential. So if I'm talking about my background, and this is basically what, where, it's at, where, where, where I come from. And, and, you know, since the foundation of Portois Point 2011, I've been I've been involved in many different uh, activities, uh, but uh, in a nutshell, that's that's my um, that that's the uh, upbringing that informed um, the, the the creation of Fort Point. Fascinating, fascinating. So, Bruce, uh, do you mind sharing as well, kind of you know what got you in, involved with Fort Point and what inspired you to become a coach as well? Yeah. So actually, it's a bit hard to come after Fabrice with a, such an inspirational uh, uh, background. Um, but yeah, so me, uh, I played uh, basketball as a youth as well, starting from like 11. I was always outside in the parks, though, but um, I started officially around 15, 14, playing basketball in the team. And I was always heavily um, influenced by like coaches um youth workers they always inspired me so um that was very like uh important in my life to actually give back to the community also i had the opportunity like as my first job so i obviously took it and uh yeah so ever since then i've started coaching like youth from like around eight to 12 years old mm -hmm. and then i moved up uh the bracket to the ymca where uh i met trois pour, uh, pour trois points uh and at that time i was coaching around 12 to 17 so that's how it is right now yeah i think we sometimes forget like the responsibility that comes with being a coach right especially at the youth level like kids are like so malleable and i think like for me, my coaches were always the people I looked up to the most, mainly because they weren't my parents, right? Like you love your parents, but they're not as cool, right? As your, your coaches and, and your teachers, you know, you're mandated to go to school, but like you choose to show up and play your sport because you're having fun. You're there with your teammates and stuff. And I think, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a coach. And I think having access to that, like I've had the privilege of always playing soccer and hockey my entire life right and I didn't grow up in Montreal I grew up you know in southern Ontario in like a small town so you know kind of these this disparity um with access to sports wasn't something that I was necessarily like acutely aware of when I was younger because everyone was kind of middle class where I lived and stuff so I guess for like the both of you like you know how is it working in like underprivileged areas and like, you know, is it harder to, to in any way to, to cater kind of your coaching style to these kids? Because these kids probably have other stressors that someone who grows up middle class or, you know, privileged does not have. So um, I guess my question is like, you know, when you're putting your coaches through this training, you know, how, how do you, 
keep that front of mind for your coaches and, and, and what do you tell them? Well, I can certainly talk about it, but, but what I'll do is um, I'll propose that Bruce be the one who speaks first. Okay. Um, <laughs> because, because and, and you said it earlier, Bruce, that, you know, it, it may be hard to speak um, after me, but, you know, what I, what I really believe is that at the end of the day, um, within the context of Point, we all have our own story that has led us to believing in the importance of coaching, and, and really having an impact. So I don't, you know, I'm, my story is one story among many others. And, and I can certainly offer my views on how it is um, in the context working with youth. But I think that the most legitimate person to talk about that right now is probably Bruce, because you've been there more recently than I've been. So I, I would probably just be the one talking about my past experience. So why don't you, um, are you okay with uh, starting first? Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, I've definitely worked in un- underprivileged neighborhoods, um, mainly the ones um, in energy, like uh, um, close to West Haven. I don't know if you guys know the neighborhood, um, but it's definitely like a place where new uh, arrivers come and they don't have that much money. So they've all been crammed up like into this neighborhood. So um, I'd say the responsibility though, it's not that hard because I'll tell you why, like these people, like these kids come and they're like, they obviously they live in, in um, low income um, housing, but when they come to play, it's like, everything's okay. It's like their, their, their escape, like from home. So they're, they come with a really good energy. They come with a really uh, um, like open mind to, to doing anything to do, like to learning and stuff like that. So uh, like the, the responsibility, like I, I, I obviously like that neighborhood, like got shocked w- from what happened, um, back in, um, I believe like 2017, 2017, but like for the most part, I think the youth come and the, 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 the parents feel safe that the youth are there to learn um, to play basketball. And also from the uh, latest neighborhood that I've, I've worked uh, uh, in, in Saint Laurent, which is co- close to Cartierville, which is not that much of a, 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 a rich neighborhood. Um, it's like the same principle. These, these youths, they, they want to come to learn to, to make some, something out of themselves. And I, I feel that um, that responsibility is, 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 is I'm fortunate to have it because like I could be a leader for these youths. Uh, I could be uh, someone that they can look up to from, from what I live myself. And uh, it's not, there's no better position. Like, and, and you know what, what I hear from what you're saying, Bruce, uh, um, is starting with what you just said is the fact that um, in our context, we, um, select and we carefully work on selecting uh, for our training program those coaches that um, those coaches that have a a life experience that makes it more not easy but that uh, helps them connect more with youth so whether it be from personal experience growing up in those neighborhoods or having some past experience that uh, has developed some awareness and willingness to contribute to community makes it um not easy but i mean there's that it it just makes sense uh for that connection to be made yeah um the other thing that i that i hear from what you said bruce is um the notion of motivation is key you know that's you know despite all the hardships kids are who play sports are fundamentally motivated um uh, about you know the sports and they really that's a place where they thrive they thrive and they almost automatically want to succeed, whether it be, and it doesn't mean that they want to, um, you know, uh, play professional sports or win a championship necessarily. Um, you know, some of them do. Um, you know, I wanted to play in the, in the NBA when I was a kid. I mean, I had no chances, but you know what? You're, you're a kid and you, there's that motivation. But some others, it's just that they want to have fun with their, with their, with their peers. Mm-hmm. Um, but that motivation that is there, is a motivation that can be translated into other spheres of their life. Um, and the last thing that I would, I would add is, uh, and that's a universal thing for all kids who play sport. 
Um, but I do believe that there may be um, particularities because they face sometimes hardships at homes, mm-hmm. even in the, the system where we talk about, you know, systemic inequalities, then well, I mean, we're, we're talking about issues that are present in the neighborhood, um, issues that are present at school sometimes in the way sometimes kids are being treated. Um, but I do believe that, you know, that is things that we um, talk about in our training programs for that to be considered in the coaching. But the fact that the coaches themselves at the, at the, at the, um, at the beginning already have some um, lived experience of the issues, it makes it natural for the connection to be made. So you said a lot of interesting things that actually ties into most of all the questions we want to ask the both of you. Um, but focusing a little bit more on recruiting, because you mentioned having that lived experience is a huge asset, um, especially in just building that first connection, that first approach uh, with these youth. So like Mel and I both want to know, like, okay, for you, Bruce, for instance, when you when you learned about Point at uh, the YMCA, you know, then what was the actual training after that? You know, what does it take to become a Portois Point coach? Kind of be, you know, that that coach who's, you know, you coach basketball or whatever the sport is for someone else, but then you become more of like a life coach and you you kind of mentor these kids. So what's the actual training process like? Can you take us through that? Yeah. May, may I just say before, just yeah. to probably clearly clarify, yes. that Portois Point is, a, is not even an organization that hires coaches. Okay. Uh, I just want to really clarify that what we do is coaching coaches. So the actual point is not to have celebrate the fact that we have those great coaches out there who are doing a tremendous job. It's not, a, it's not just, it's not that. It's really the fact that we um, offer various trainings. Um, uh, it's, it, we have uh, one day trainings. We also have, you know, various, you know, um, workshops that we facilitate, but our, our flagship program mm is a program that is an eight month program that is really a rigorous and intensive program where we select those coaches that we feel um, could have a tremendous impact in the community. So Bruce is one of them that has been selected for the current cohort. So I just wanted to, 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 to offer that context um, so we can clearly understand uh, yeah, definitely. the experience that Bruce, you're, you're actually currently uh, part of. Thank you so much. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the context. My pleasure. Okay, yeah, so I, I've, I've been introduced to Trois Point uh, through the YMCA, like, I, like I've said before. So, so basically, they, they, they wanted to, the, to, to coach like coaches, basically. And um, I guess it's, it's more of the clarification like, of what a coach can be, mm-hmm. so the impact that the coach can have on, on, a, on a youth. So we're used to like, the traditional way of coaching, basically like um, – uh, basically telling the kids what to do, uh, telling the kids what to think. And for for instance, like Portoipre, I've been like, um, they have like uh, um, individual sessions. So basically it's to really rethink and to really uh, uh, ask yourself, like, are you like, why are you doing this? Um, like, why are you telling the kid to do this? Or why, why are you telling the kid to do that uh and, and it's really re, re, uh, rethinking and, and making the youth more independent uh to say like to to use that word mm-hmm. um and it, it, it yeah it was also like just uh like making the making the youth experience more of an enjoyable experience as a youth than being um than being this kid that's like being pounded by the system, like saying like, mm-hmm. oh, you gotta go to the NBA, you have to go to like the FIFA, like you have to go like, you have to go these different places, but you can't really enjoy your youth as a youth. Like, right. I think that's my perspective on it. And uh, yeah, I think it was very intriguing in the beginning to, to see like, okay, what is Portoipoin? Like uh, they have a humanist approach. Like, let me let me check it out what it, what it looks like. So uh I, I, the journey has been very um very interesting it's not finished obviously like mm-hmm. there's still more time but uh, i'm looking forward to the rest of it and would you would you like to walk us through your journey from the selection until today like what 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 you've been doing since the selection and since you've been selected okay so what since i've been selected we had um a first cohort like um like a first uh, um how can I say it? Like a retreat. 
that's the retreat yeah so we went out for four days in um like in the woods somewhere <laughs> um and and we did like these very like these various workshops it was really it was really 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 fun like especially of this context of pandemic like this year 2020 mm. i think like it 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 brought a lot of attention and importance to like the coaching and stuff like that so we we went on this retreat we did various um various uh, workshops like uh, uh uh like uh there was like meditation workshops there was medit- um like team workshops um just rethinking like the coaching and there was like yoga sessions in the morning um like all the that good stuff for like four days we back we went back home and like ever since there's been like a monthly meetings um to to check uh with uh to to to, to further coach like the coaches mm-hmm. having a like a, a um, um a new like i say a, a new approach or a different approach uh, to coaching and those those monthly workshops also include uh, like a, I'd say like a sub uh, uh, individual session with uh, 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 how do you call that I only know the name in French uh, in French is like a conseiller en développement conseiller en développement so it probably will be development advisor yeah that is like a, yeah so we have a, we have full time staff that are that I that really offer that one on one counseling. Yeah. As, yeah, I would say Conseil Development Development Advisor. Yeah, so and, and like that Conseil Development, he or she, um, like uh, she takes note of like your your personal uh, um, path in the Portoir and like they follow you. Well, ideally, in in an ideal year, they would follow you like in the practice right. and add, uh, uh, observe how you coach and how you um, interact with the youth. And then they would get back to you and we would like evaluate the whole situation. That hasn't happened for me yet, only on Zoom. So like there wasn't that much feedback, um, proper feedback. Um, but yeah, that would be the, that would be probably the year and after like they graduate, but I don't really know that because I haven't been through it. <laughs> soon, yeah. soon, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I guess for you, Fabrice, like when you're you're looking through the applicants, you know, what kind of qualities are you looking for? And I'm also curious to know, like, what kind of people are applying for for this program, this intensive cohort? Um, you know, are they Montreal natives for the most part? Um, do you have people from abroad? Like, or is it really you're like grassroots, only local people? Um, and what kind of qualities do you look for in, in these coaches? So we, we, um, we started in Montreal. And every year, uh, we, we now are selecting coaches that are um, outside of uh, the greater Montreal area. And we're growing organically. Um, so um, last year, we had someone from La Montérégie. This year, we have a couple of coaches from Quebec City. Uh, we almost selected for, um, um, we almost selected this year someone from an indigenous community outside of Montreal up north. Uh, and we may uh, select her in the, in the coming years. So we are on a, on a path towards growing outside, clearly outside of the Montreal region. Um, the other aspect that I would mention is that Portois Point started with basketball coaches, but we're, we yeah. are working now with coaches from all, um, all sports, uh, depending on their, their, uh, uh, their sport, um, because the point is really not about the sport itself. The sport right. is a context. It's more about the relationship between the kids and the, the, the adult. So we have coaches on, you know, Bruce uh, is a basketball coach, but, and I'm a basketball coach as well, but we, we, we have soccer coaches. Um, increasingly, we even have gy- uh, gymnastic coaches. We had uh, triathlon coaches as well. Um, uh, so that's another aspect that I th- think is um, part of who we look at in terms of geography and and um, and um, uh, type of sport. And as well, we used to work only with coaches in schools, but we we also now work with coaches. Um, in community organizations or such as the YMCA or, or, or club teams as well. Uh, so that's another aspect. So that's really like the logistics of it, right? So, so people mm-hmm. can understand, you know, what type of coach we're looking at. Now, in terms of the qualities that we um, look for, we uh, ask coaches to 
throughout the selection process, we ask coaches to answer a questionnaire, provide their CV and their resume, if I remember correctly. That's the first level of assessment. And then, and then they go through two interviews um, uh, uh, with uh, various staff members. Um, and, and throughout the process, what we really assess in a general fashion, there's specific criteria, um, but without providing too, too many details, what I would say is, first of all, we assess whether the main motivation of the coach is to support the youth development or it's about sports performance. Um, we believe at Portois Point that in a context where the focus is on youth development, sport performance is also possible. But if the coach only focuses on the sports performance, there's no way there's can, there can be the youth development. Mm -hmm. So we look, we look at those who can actually navigate both. Right. So that's one aspect. Um, we look at coaches as well who have a level of awareness of social inequalities in one way or another. Um, you know, those coaches who are the ones that are, um, that would like to see more girls in sport. Um, and they're thinking about it. Those coaches who see that sport is a way to alleviate poverty. Those coaches who believe that um, issues of uh, equity, uh, this, these issues of anti-racism uh, are important. Uh, and and I, I could go on, go on and on and on, but mm -hmm. you know, have you ever thought in your life about these things? You know, those, th that's what we look, for, we look at. We, we, um, uh, so in the, the point is we want coaches who really want to have an impact in the community. And that's the, that's the aspect. And the third, the third part that I would like to mention, um, is are you open to learning? Because you can, you can be, you can have all these traits and believe that you've already, you've already made it and that you don't need to learn anything. Um, and, and when I talk about learning, it's not only about techniques and tactics but are you um uh, willing to observe yourself because i do believe that leadership it really starts with yourself so we really spend a lot of time on that aspect and i see uh, uh, bruce you're nodding and i think that what you mentioned earlier touches on these points uh whether it be the retreat where we talk about you know meditating and all these things that sometimes coaches have never done you know it's 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 funny to look at 30 coaches leaders or coaches you know, most of them never do, did yoga and waking up in the morning and do it. And it's fun, but it's, there's value in it. Right. And this is what we engage coaches to do. It's like, well, are you willing to observe yourself as a leader? Um, so it's both techniques, but it's the, the, the self-growth that, that comes with it because there really is a, a leadership program, uh, basically. So it, that assessment is done at the beginning and we select those who have who have these traits. And I'll end by saying as well, I think it's um, one thing that I, that I believe it is important. Um, we believe in representation, you know, in education sector, there are, um, you know, even in, in, in neighborhoods where kids are mostly racialized, um, uh, quite often teachers uh, don't, don't necessarily come from the same countries or have the same traits of the of the uh, as the kids so that notion of representation for racialized kids is is definitely important i'm not suggesting that you know someone who's white cannot coach someone who's non-white we have that in our context it's just that that diversity and representation mm -hmm. is definitely important and it also makes it i don't believe that it also makes it um in our community a learning experience for the coaches themselves to have cohort diverse uh, diverse cohorts, sorry. So having coaches from Quebec City and coaches from, you know, the, uh, 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 you know, toughest neighborhoods in Montreal um, uh, is, it, is, is something in, in and of itself that I believe um, makes it a very rich experience for, for, uh, for, for um, a rich experience in, in terms of learning. And I'll end by um, mentioning as well that uh, you know, we started initially by selecting younger coaches um, because we thought that those are the, were the ones that really would benefit the most from our program. But more and more, we, co we select coaches who have 10, 15, even 20 years of experience and they're part of the community as well. And they, they keep on learning because they're open to learning. So those would be, you know, that would be a full answer, I guess, um, to, um, to what I think. I don't know if Bruce, you have something to add about that, but um, yes, I mean, and I, Obviously, all that I've said 
um, Bruce has been through it and he made the cut. <laughs> so, so we, you know, Bruce is one of the, those coaches that we look for. Yeah, Fabulous. I, I totally see, see where you're going with this. And I think, I think it's incredible what you're doing because I think we sometimes put a lot of emphasis on training coaches once they're at kind of like an elite level with professional athletes and, you know, they definitely can have an impact on like the individual's life. But at that point, like, you know, they're already kind of molded. They know who they are. And, and the, I think the impacts are, are smaller, like, you know, as, a, as an athlete myself, like there's always room to improve. And I think there's coaches like throughout college, you know, I, I was much older and I was there to perform, but they did have a big impact, but it's really the coaches I had when I was younger that have the biggest impact in my development because at that point you could focus on the technique and stuff, but that's not going to be the thing that resonates when you go home, right? Like if you're like really into the sport, for sure, you'll work on, I don't know, to do a, a basketball reference, right? You'll work, work on your three points. But I think it's like the, the life lessons that your coach um, may have like implanted on you that are going to resonate long-term. So I just, first off, I just wanted to commend the work that both of you are doing. I think it's really important. And, you know, I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't hear about Trois until um, Safia brought it up to me because I think it's a really great initiative. Um, with, you know, the current situation in the pandemic, and Bruce, you could assess to it because you're going through the training live right now. How have you kind of adapted to the pandemic, right? And these are this this affected this is affecting like um racialized group more than others people that are in socioeconomically challenging um situations are being like being affected more by this pandemic so how are you kind of adapting for this year so bruce i'll, I'll leave it to you first to start and maybe you could tell us some of the initiatives that you guys have been doing to to kind of continue your work with these individuals and for you continue your training Okay, so I've been, um, so first of all, like uh, at the YMC, I'm, I'm first a youth worker before being a okay. coach. So I'm, I'm coaching through the youth working job. Um, so it, it's like I've started already interacting, like I've been like interacting with youth and I, I, I kind of have like, I speak the same language, like the same slang. So I, I'm kind of used to what they're, they're, like how they think or whatever because I've been a youth as well obviously yeah. I don't know what the situation might be like economic situation always so I don't exactly know what they're going through but um so, so with the pandemic I think like it was harder because like it, it um in the summertime we were in the parks and we we're in the parks very long like I believe until even October like even when it was freezing like but the youth wanted to still work out and still play. So like, I, I made it the effort that we continue do, doing these in the parks. Even if it was cold, we would adapt to it. Sometimes like if it would be way too cold, we would cancel it. But fortunately at the YMC, Cartierville, uh, we had a spot. And um, even if it wasn't that many youth, like I think we had maybe two youth, uh, wait, five youth maximum in the gym. Okay. And everybody had their separate, like everybody was individual. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, practice uh, together. But uh, it has been adapt an uh, adaptation since, like um, since everything locked down. Again, we were in the, um, we were online. And it's a- it's so have you been, You've been doing online sessions. Is yeah, that it? Okay. It, it, it's been hard, like, to to keep contact with the youth if like it's been more intervention than than uh sports because okay. a lot of these youths like especially like in Saint Laurent or wh wh whatever like the, the the where the YMC is located the youth around live in like apartments so like you, they can't do too much noise they can't like you know have a ball and you know yeah. the, the space is very limited so I kind of try to adapt to that and and make like the exercise but then i lose participation because you know these youths they don't exactly want to exercise they want to do sports um so it's a bit harder um obviously with the with the pandemic uh and we're still adapting to to what we can do and uh, how to target youth but i'd say it's more intervention and i think the youth 
need that as well even though um like sport is my sport is my uh, uh main um like job function like uh, intervention in sports so that's what it's been like yeah and um the uh you you're about to say something uh, uh melanie well i was just gonna say like you know it it's definitely difficult but at least you're still trying to do something right it could have been totally easy like okay let's just start this back up a year from now right and that could have been the easy way out so you know even though it's not ideal i think the fact that you guys are you know have have done zoom sessions you've figured out safe ways to continue to interact with these kids whether it be outside or you know indoors with with the proper covid measures so you know i was just going to say it's it's still nice that you're doing it because i think these kids probably really appreciate it yeah and and um you know i often say that um the when we think about the word coach mm-hmm. coach is is that um vehicle that um uh that 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 was created in europe it's actually it's it's a car it's a car that brings someone from one place to the other so it doesn't have to do with you know winning winning games it it has to do with helping someone move and move and and uh, and and advance in their journey so having that in mind it's fundamental that coaches continue their work in a in a time where um building resilience and supporting youth uh is is critical you know if coaches and i get that the, that playing sports is not easy in this context but the the role of coaches is particularly important in this context and what i hear from what the um uh, bruce you've been saying is really that coaches adapt to their environment and and figure out ways to offer um you know to honor their role to really play their, their fundamental role of coaching kids and and i'm you know i'll i'll, I'll get back to the i'll i'll talk about briefly to the previous answer when we said about we look at those coaches who are involved in the community when you said bruce bruce um you know that like your youth worker you know as well that's an example of that mix between the sports and the you know the social aspect now mm-hmm. um and the context of Porto Point has been trying to be resilient as well because coaches have all their own stories of how they try to adapt and connect with the youth um but we needed to adapt as well because our work is usually not online it's in and like anybody we had to do the transition so what we do is we maintain the training and we've transit trend made the transition to offer it online hoping that at some point we'll be able to do these retreats uh um do these retreats and be together um and i wanted to point that out because there's the youth and there's the coaches and i believe that it's it's actually an opportunity for coaches to use the time that they would have otherwise spent uh with the youth to to take that as a learning opportunity and to attend sessions and to you know to grow because we'll get back to sports at some point but using the the context of the lockdown to learn more as a coach i think is a great opportunity yeah and i mean i think just like i guess a slight positive of this pandemic is like it's given everyone time to really reflect uh on who they are and and try to grow in a sense and exactly. i think i think i hope that like sticks you know after the pandemic and pe- people continue to to just grow and be better like people and you know i think it was you know you mentioned resilience for for youth and athletes and you know i always attested i think sports is really good for like emotional regulation right like i feel like we don't have like really safe environment sometimes where you could just be cry or be happy but like in the sports context it's somehow like accepted like if if you lost and you're like a little bit mad that's okay but then you you know you you check yourself you kind of regulate that anger if you lose and you're sad you know that's okay too and you learn how to control that a bit and um so i think just like the fact like you know youth youth involved in sports you know can become resilient they have like a lot of emotional i think just like baggage that they could they could handle in a safe environment and i think the the way that you guys can facilitate that is is nice even throughout the pandemic right and just having someone to to talk to and bounce ideas off is is nice and i guess like we we've talked a lot about 
you know, what the training process is. I'm curious to know, like Bruce, what has been like the most rewarding part of this experience? And I'll say the same for you, Fabrice, like you've been around this for a long time. You were the one that spearheaded this program, I guess. What is the most rewarding part you've had by being involved in this organization so far? I mean, um, there's been a lot of rewarding, um, like I find like throughout like the job, the the fact that you're learning, like you're learning and you're growing. It's like, how can I say this? Is like, I don't know. It's like going to school and 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 getting rewarded for going to school. I think it's a very like important thing to do for for moving things forward in sports, and how we want to to see things better. Um, like, like for instance, like going back to what I've said before, like we've been thought like, as it like for me, the traditional way of coaching. So like, you don't really have, like the youth don't really have a saying, like you, you follow the instructions and basically Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it is. But, uh, for me, the experience of, of how they say like for, for, for trois points is being a, a coachable coach. So like you can be coached as well. So like even a youth can try to input and he's actually kind of t- coaching you. So I think it's important to, to like, for me, it was important to, to rethink everything that I've been taught, everything that I've like the experience of how I would see a good coach to be. And Portrois has done that. So uh, I, I can use it and apply it to my life uh, in different domains different spheres in my life so I, I think that was the the most significant part in in uh in having this experience um for me uh, i'm i'm certainly happy that um there's you know we have a valid impact by 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 research so that part of it is um knowing that the work that is that we that we do is evaluated and, and that you know independent um groups look at it and say look there is um there is impact you know when we t- think about youth youth who are um have less antisocial behaviors have a greater uh, connection uh, with their coach communicate better that's a great reward and and you know when i see stories of um kids who you know went through um you know, have had a point coach and going back to us and seeing them uh, thrive. You know, I just think of one of them who was um, present at the climate strike uh, in the, um, was it, yeah, the, 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 the protest that we had in, in September of 2019. And she was in CGIP and she came to us because we, you know, all the point staff was there and she came to us being super happy because, you know, she was, she was there uh, protesting as well. So that's, you know, that's an example that is, that is amazing to me. And, um, you know, the last thing that I would say is seeing the coaches, coaches do what they do best um, and, 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 and seeing what they do after. So some of them continue coaching and, and, and keep on learning and growing. And some of them even launch programs themselves. You know, I think of a, a coach called Marco. He, um, he just, uh, this fall, created an organization called La Cancha. And La Cancha, what they do is they collect used sports goods and they give them back to kids who can't afford um, some of these goods. You know, these things are amazing. So when I see coaches keep on doing it, doing something positive for the community, whether it be through coaching, teaching, being a youth worker, building an organization, creating projects, this is a great reward to me. So, um, yeah, I guess that, that's what I like to uh, see. And that, that's what I used to, you know, that's what I enjoy. And I, I, and I look forward to seeing more of these coaches doing that positive work. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, obviously at, at your heart of hearts, you, you knew the impact, right? This is having, sometimes it's nice to have that validation, whether it be, you know, through anecdotal situations like the, the young lady at the climate march. And it seems like, I guess, could you say like, the, the, the overall goal of Pultrapoint is really building kind of like su- successful youths in the sense that they're motivated. They want to be, participate in 
the community. They want to, they want to forge forward in their own path. It, it, would you, could you say that that's like kind of your ultimate goal? It's not really building athletes. Exactly. So the, 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 the way how the vision is framed is that um, all youth um, grew up to become adults that are um, resilient, healthy, um, happy, and that and also that they lead um and, and that they be engaged in their community and mm-hmm. so that's that's part of it too so not only that they become happy for themselves but also that they contribute and that they give back um so that's part of the vision and you know examples of and i mentioned a few but examples of coaches who paid forward by becoming coaches themselves if we can do that you know it's like the approach that is each one teach one if each, yeah. each person does that and we multiply that um that's it that's something that i'd like to see more in our communities yeah so like the initiative is like really a willingness to kind of raise the level in in underprivileged areas i guess and obviously this summer with the black lives matter movement i'm curious to know has this been something you guys have kind of i guess what kind of impact has it had on your organization you know we know that underprivileged areas are disproportionately black or BIPOC individuals. So has the Black Lives Matter, you know, movement that has been going on for decades, but has had a lot of light shed on it through, you know, the murder of George Floyd. um, Has this kind of influenced any part of your training with, um, with your cohorts? Yeah, well, I can offer a bit of context, and 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 I'll evacuate Bruce to talk about your experience of it so far. But um, um, you, we usually do offer. Um, I mean, given first of all, given the the the, the mandate of the organization, uh, when I link it back to the diversity of um, the, the the group, you know, the willingness to have a diverse cohort cohorts and have you know diversified the staff as well that's an intention to um, make it in a more equitable group to, to tackle issues of um, racism and discrimination at large. Um, as part of our trainings, we do offer workshops that, are, that deal with notions of, uh, we, we call it, um, you know, privilege, oppression, uh, uh, which, which allows coaches to be a bit more aware of how, you know, what, what is the impact of a oppressive system mm-hmm. and how it impacts you know your even your mindset so 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 um we have that that is very present and obviously when we we uh, offered that training as part of the retreat as well the the black Lives matter um movement was you know uh, already amplified and we've been partnering let's for example with uh back then the montreal impact who's now the, the um, CF uh, Montreal that that has partnered with us as a community organization uh, just to provide t-shirts that deal you know that mention our stand on how we believe that Black Lives Matter so that's not part of the training per se but it's part of you know the stance that we take on the issue Um, so that uh, you know I'm offering a bit of the context as well but uh, I can certainly um, imagine Bruce that you know you have your own your own experience of how you felt that that was present in our in the environment yeah so in the context of potropa we did have uh, a moment of the retreat where the discussion was was brought up it, it was a very emotional uh, uh uh discussion for for most and um i mean not, not to get into much of it and i i would mostly talk about what the experience with my youth were um Obviously, like I've brought up the topic, but like the, the the youth that I that I that I deal with or coach, um, they're predominantly uh, black, and they come from like African heritage and and stuff. And obviously, like the the topic is they 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 see what's in the media, but their experience has always been the same, so they don't know like they they don't know what it is like since all their experience were the same like they've been black their whole life so it's it's not like something different like they've seen it before they've seen how it how it goes and 
and and with the police and and police brutality and inequality so they don't think anything of it um so i i guess it was it, it was a very big thing in the media but like for the youth i think they've they've been living it so it's it's, it's not it's nothing it's nothing new to them you know uh, and and what you're saying bruce is super interesting because i i fully agree you know mainstream society is just trying to catch up with what people have been experiencing their whole lives you know the expression that i like using is um um you know when you when you when you you want to tell the fish that uh, the water is wet and the the fish would say i mean what are you talking about they what are you talking about water like the, you know if you're mm -hmm. in it if you're in it yeah. you don't even see that you're in water but if you're outside you're going to talk about the temperature of the water and you look at it from the outside yeah. so i think that we're currently now in a context in society where the society is just trying to understand through stories things that um phenomenon phenomena that kids and racialized youth uh, and black youth um, more particularly have been experiencing their whole life and they're yeah. not naming it, they're not naming it because for them it's just life yeah it's it's mainly white people having to to recognize that we are part of the problem and if we like we are the problem and if we're not actively trying to be or align with anti-racism work then yeah definitely and that that part that part is really it's is not easy at all you know um, bruce referred to that emotional moment that we had mm -hmm. i mean i mean it's a really, and I really want to point that out. It's really tough to have those conversations where there's a diverse group talking about the same issue because the, the experience is different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you would have, um, you would have racialized um, people talking about their experience of discrimination and you can see the emotion, yeah. but then you have the white people suffering and being emotional because they realize how severe the discrimination is. So within the same group, here you have having, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really making it very, very simple, but you have two groups and two levels of suffering. So how can you have a conversation where someone who talks about their suffering is creating suffering for the other? And I feel like this is a complex yeah, yeah. thing that we're trying to navigate. And I think that this is part of what is about, this is part of what a building a community is about. It's knowing that these things are present and trying to navigate together in that context. And I hope, and I think that that's what we're trying to do within the Portofan context. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I mean, it's creating a, a space to have those conversations, right? I mean, I play women's hockey. Hockey is not done, has not done a, a good job. Like it is very white. And you know, this is something we've had to address. Like, why is it only like a, large like proportion of white athletes playing hockey you know i it's not because bipoc individuals aren't interested in hockey it's because it's expensive you need access to a rink you need ice time so and we have to do a better job kind of reconciling with that and just facing it and, and having a space to talk about it and it can be uncomfortable but i think the the fact that you know you guys are having those conversations is a step in the right direction. Um, if we aren't talking about it, then we're never going to be able to, to move forward and really figure out what a solution might be at this point. Um, so, you know, I, again, I'm just, I keep like, I'm in admiration of, of your work in general, just because I think it's super important. And just for the sake of time, um, unfortunately we have to, <laughs> to end this at some point, but I, I want to know for the both of you, like, what do you hope the future of for you fabrice pour trois points is going to look like and for you bruce like what do you hope your next year looks like and if you want you can go pretend that there, there isn't going to be the pandemic at this point you know what what would you like to accomplish in the next year two years so bruce i'll let you answer it first if you want you know obviously you're, you're going to be finishing your training sometime soon so what do you hope to do after and what impact would you like to have with, with your, your kids? Okay. Um, well, to be very honest, like, um, like the coaching, um, the coaching has been very significant, like in my life. Um, 
but I can only go so far because I want to to expand into other things. But for 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 the future, like with my youth specifically, like I want to 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 you know just hand down a good um, a good representation of what a coach could be, like should be. And it, there's not one way of coaching. Like for instance, like with my youth, like they're going, they're going, they're growing, and they're they're being older. They're getting older, and after like maybe eventually they will want to coach, and they will want to, to pass down like that to their youth, and and so on. So the the mentality of what I leave uh, uh, my my youth with, like I want them to have like a, a, a clear mind of what a coach could be. Like you you could you can ask questions to your youth or you can t- uh, get advice from your youth and, and stuff like that. So I think uh, for, for that, for the coaching and Paul Tropper, I think like they're very, they're doing a very uh, a good job in, in adapting to the situation. And I, I think even if this, like if the situation wasn't uh, what it was, I think it would have like, it would be like 10 times like, greater like i uh like i'm very thankful for for the the position i've been put in yeah so um we um we are in a context within the post-open context where we we have diversified the the offer of trainings that we provide so there's a flagship program but there's, um, you know, we have developed a two-month two online program as well. And we have uh, various workshops on a regular basis that are, we're, we're going to be launching. So um, I, my hope is that there's, there's more and more people um, who will engage in these programs because I think that we have something interesting to offer. And, you know, if we're talking about long-term um, and, and, and then just thinking about what next year, I hope that as a result, there's a maximum number of coaches that attend, um, that participate to um, the, the, the flagship program that we have and have an experience that is similar as Bruce's experience. Um, and, and ultimately, ultimately, I just have this hope, you know, thinking long term that, that we really have, you know, a maximum of youth um, that benefit from what we do and that uh, end up, um, end up embodying the vision that we have for them. Um, that's what I would say in terms of uh, what I hope for post-popcorn. Long-term goals. No, I think, I think it's great. And, you know, Bruce, like you said, it's just being a good role model. It sounds cliche, but at the end of the day is, um, you know, we say it a lot in like women's sports. If you can see it, you can be it, right? So if you're around a leader who, who has great qualities, you know, kids are like sponges, right? They're gonna absorb some of that that good stuff and hopefully grow into it as an adult. Um, yeah, and then in the context, like of be like not to go too much back into the uh, racialized uh, uh, thing. Like, I think we have like an, uh, more particularly, I can speak from, from my experience being in a black community. We have like this way of thinking. And this way of doing things, like it, it, like in a sh- how things we have an idea of how things should be, and I think that could be broken, like mm-hmm. and, and re over, like could be reevaluated. Like we could do th- other things and the w- other ways of thinking. Like I think it could be very important uh, um, to to us and uh, our growth. Like expand the view, like not be pigeonholed into the stereotype and. And seeing you could be whatever individual you want to be. And exactly, exactly. I mean, I think that's like the struggle, you know, that again, you have a responsibility as a coach or as a, and teachers the same way too, right? Teachers, anyone who works with children have a huge responsibility and a huge privilege to be in that role. And I don't think, uh, I think it's overlooked a lot of the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, these aren't the elite athletes. We'll just throw any coach, any person who can, you know, run a drill, which at the end of the day, it's so much more than that. For the sake of time, I guess, Fabrice, if people want to get involved with Pour Trois Points, how, how should they connect with you? Is it mainly through the website to find information? Are you guys really active on social media? Yes, I mean, uh, we, we certainly, the, the, the website, pour trois points.ca, so it's P-O-U-R, number three, 
P-O-I-N-T-S dot C-A. But we're also present on social media um, through um, mostly Facebook, Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn as well. So, so you can follow us. And the handle is the same, for trois, just for trois points. Um, that's a great way to follow us and get in touch. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, uh, Fabrice and Bruce, for being on the show. I, you know, I keep saying it. You're doing really great work. And I'm definitely going to be pointing people to your website. And I'm going to see how I can participate because you have a real responsibility and you know i have no doubt that you guys have are having like significant impacts with a lot of these kids and i think that just gives me a lot of faith in the future thank you thanks for having us Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Balado Quebec. You could also find a recording of most of our interviews on YouTube. Yes, that is true. And you know what? You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Away From The Play and on Twitter at Mel underscore and underscore Safs. You can also follow us individually on Twitter at Safs underscore on the go and for myself at Mel the Rock. Special thanks to Matsu Brutus for the music and Naimalu for our logo. Give them both a follow on Instagram. We can't wait to see you next week. Yeah.